Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The lob, and that will do it. And do you believe it? For just the second time ever, a 16 beats a 1. And that was just some of the crazy action we had in the tournament this weekend. You are back. Wes and Walker, Sports Radio 92.7, WFNZ. And the tournament was everything that we wanted. Uh, from an NCAA tournament, we had a number one seed getting knocked out. We had uh, number one seed Kansas go out. We had number two seed um, Arizona. Arizona. So, I mean, there was a lot. Virginia, ACC, all types of stuff. So, just a couple of facts uh, for you in this tournament. The top six winningness programs in the history of the sport are now gone. The tournament champions of the Big Ten, ACC, Big East, and Pac-12 are gone. Twelve of the 16 teams remaining have never won a national championship. Seven have never been to a Final Four. Florida Atlantic had never won a game in the tournament until last Friday. And for the local folks around here, the ACC and the Big Ten are nearly gone. One sweet 16 team each, same as the Ivy League. But the Big East and SEC have three. So, I mean, we had a lot of amazing moments in the tournament this weekend. But I think the biggest one at the front of everybody's mind is we had the second number one seed in history go down when we talk about the Purdue Boilermakers taking that L to Farley Dickinson. Uh, Zach Eady, who is everybody's player of the year, did not take a shot in the last 924 of that game. So we talk about top three moments, just a rehash for everybody. We talked about it at the top of the program. I'll start it all. Purdue losing was number one. Penny Hardaway checking the water bottle after their <laughs> loss was number two. And number three for me uh, was the Duke Blue Devils going out a team that I thought had final four potential, had them going to the championship game, uh, them going out to Tennessee. I thought after Purdue went down, I thought it was there for the taking for the Blue Devils. Well, and, and I guess it happened on Thursday, but the turnover and the chaos that was that Virginia Furman ending, if we wanted to just include all of these games, that one would have to be in the top three, especially we were on air when it was happening as well over there at Carolina Alehouse. But the turnover, and then you still had to hit the shot, which I don't think is being celebrated as much in a weird way. It's almost we're tearing down Kihei Clark more, and it was an awful turnover. I don't want to get it twisted. But the fact that you had to make the NBA range beyond NBA range three after you have the turnover, it's amazing that Furman was able to move on. But I'm with you. Purdue, them losing, that was a crazy moment. 
Princeton keeping Arizona at bay. That happened on Thursday as well. That was nuts. And then how about even Princeton being able to move on and actually make a Sweet 16 run? This is the second time we've seen that from a 15 seed in consecutive years. So we got a little taste of a 15 seed moving on to the Sweet 16 when Dunk City did it. Almost, I think it was 10 years. They celebrated the 10-year anniversary at the midpoint of the season. And the fact now that you have two doing it in back-to-back seasons, it's crazy. I have a question. Because as we talk about the top moment, Purdue, a number one seed, Mm -hmm. falling just for the second time ever, there are some very interesting parallels to be made from Matt Painter to Tony Bennett. How excited should Tony Bennett have been when you talk about a Matt Painter losing, right? Like, was there anybody that's reputation was put to the side more so than Tony? Because we were having the whole, should Tony even be fired? Is there anything like that going up there where we should maybe have a new coach up in Charlottesville, which I don't think is true. I don't think you should, but that conversation was being had. And now here we are talking about Matt Painter. Like think about the tournament history. And then I go back to 2019 and I go back to the Kihei Clark pass to Diakite that allowed them to extend that game when Carson Edwards, I mean, was probably player of the tournament in the four games that they played. Purdue, off of that Diakite shot, we are talking about two guys with bad reputations despite real awesome regular season success going against one another. Virginia wins that game. Tony Bennett wins a championship. Think about how much Matt Painter's reputation would be salvaged had they just moved on. Because now you're talking about losing to so many different double-digit seeds. You are the second team ever to lose to a one seed, and this was a bigger upset. Because Fairleigh Dickinson should not have even been in the field, but they're only in the field because of the rule where you're not allowing first-year programs in Division One to go to the postseason. Bonkers, man, between both of those guys. Who suffered the worst L? Was it Matt Painter over Tony Bennett? And just how big of a gap is there in your eyes? Oh, there's no question that it was Matt Painter, okay? Uh, when you're the 16th seed and you become the second all-time uh, to lose at anything that's going to be uh, an embarrassment to you, and that's going to trump any loss. 13-4, that was a loss uh, when you talk about the seeding of a Furman and a Virginia. A lot of people were talking about uh, that this was a, a trendy upset to choose. Yeah. They talked what? about that during the tournament show. Not making an excuse for Virginia, I still feel they should get the job done. But a lot of people pointed to that as a game uh, that was one to choose. And and this is, as we speak about reputations more so, this is just what you have around Tony Bennett and what you have around Purdue right now and Matt Painter. I talked about it. This tournament is kind of the tournament that brings the narratives into reality. So many different people had Virginia losing because no one trusts the Cavaliers, even after a championship. No one trusts Tony Bennett and the Cavaliers in the first round, and they lose. Everyone was discussing how Purdue was the number one seed that would get bounced first. Kansas lost in the second round, and they were still (laughs) only the second number one seed bounced from the NCAA tournament, and they lost to Arkansas in the second round because Purdue took care of that for you. That... It's not great for either one of those guys. Now, the thing is, it'd be crazy to fire either one of them. It would, especially Tony Bennett. If you fire Tony Bennett, think about what Virginia was doing before he actually got there, okay? And the dude does have a ring, so it would be nuts. Plus, we got to talk about some of the tournament success he had before this stretch of games where you lose in the round of 64. They were able to go on some runs, not Final Four, 
But Sweet 16, Elite Eight, Malcolm Brockton, Joe Harris, those guys kind of doing that. It'd be crazy to fire him, but the reputation is still there. Yeah, I mean, when you look at it, let's compare here. 2018, that's the upset when they lose to UNBC, one sixteen. Uh, then 2019, they win the Natty. 2020 tournament canceled. But then 2021, they lose as a 4 to a 13, just like they did this season. And then 2022, they had an NIT bid to where you look at, um, you know, Matt Painter and what Purdue has done. Like I said, the last three seasons, they've lost two, um, or they lost three turn last three tournament losses, 13 seed, 15 seed, and a 16 seed. So, I mean, very comparable there. But, again, mm-hmm. Painter does not have the ring that Tony Bennett has. So, if I go with what coach should be questioned the most, I'm going to go with Matt Painter because at least Tony Bennett uh, has a ring to his name. They came back after the embarrassment of losing to UNBC uh, and got the win. But uh, Matt Painter has yet to do that, and he's had some really good teams, some really highly touted teams that have floundered. So, I'm going to go with Painter. If we had to refill the NCAA tournament bracket, mm-hmm. maybe you don't want to, Wes, because you're in the top 20 right now of a pool that consists of 150 yes, people. I think that's you. right. Just wanted yes. to give you love. You're interrupt me and say that I need to give you love if I didn't. <laughs> so that's why I wanted to do it beforehand. Okay. But if we had to refill the NCAA tournament bracket, how much would you guys change things? And for me, I've got Alabama. I had Alabama, Duke, Houston, UConn in my original final four. Clearly, Duke is wrong. I would not have them in a refill, considering they don't uh, exist in the tournament anymore. But I feel pretty good about the other three. Miami is going to be really hard for Houston to battle against, but I always thought that. And I think defensively, Houston can still bring it, despite having at least some trouble in the first half against Auburn. Eventually, they separate themselves. If I had to re-choose anybody coming out of the East region where Purdue loses, I think I'd go Kansas State right now. I think the Wildcats, and I had them getting bounced, but the way they've played, that was an awesome game between the Wildcats and Kentucky and Kansas State. That was the best game of the of, of the weekend, oh, I thought. It was phenomenal. You were a really exciting finish away from that, by far and away, being the best game. But yeah, it was awesome back and forth, really, the whole way. I'd have Kansas State coming out of the East region, but I still feel really good about Brandon Miller, Alabama, and company moving on to possibly win the championship. What are some of the changes you might make if you had to refill this thing? Uh, Looking back through it, I probably would have uh, stuck to my ACC roots, especially when I found out, uh, I forget what the kid's name was from Iowa State, uh, was no longer with the team, but I probably would have stuck to my ACC roots and at least picked for another round. I would have went with that. Probably wouldn't have trusted NC State as much as I did uh, either. I probably would have gone... Uh, with Creighton. I said that NC State was kind of a show-me team. I needed to see more from them, and they kind of, you know, they let me down. Uh, Also, looking at it, going outside of of that realm, um, let my love for Penny Hardaway, even though it was a tight game, it was a great game, but FAU, uh, Memphis kind of just went with the Penny Hardaway fandom uh, right there. Then let's see who else. Oh, Kentucky. You know, they got me as well. Well, just who's your favorite right now? Who would your favorite be if you had to choose? Would you would you change it from your original selection? No, I'm going to stick with Houston. I think okay. Houston's playing good ball right now. I haven't seen anything from them uh, to make me think that they, you know, they came out and handled Auburn. Auburn was a pretty athletic squad, and uh, Houston got the job done. Hopefully they can get Sasser a little bit more healthy. But I would still stick with Houston for sure. I still think Alabama's looked the best out of everyone. And that's even with Brandon Miller going for a goose egg in the first round. They still win. and then, Bama does look good. Yeah, so, so I'd go with Bama. The thing is, Houston even kind of struggled with Northern Kentucky for a little bit. 
and then they separated in the they second did. half. Same thing with Auburn as well. Fiddy, is there anybody that you would say is the leader in the clubhouse as far as who looks the best? Maybe this is because, like, I- I'm just a Danny Hurley guy. Like, UConn looked good, yeah. Like, like UConn, there is something about that athleticism. They defend at a high level. Sonogo's just a, you know, he's a handful on the interior. They got timely they got timely perimeter shooting. So I think, like, to me, they're, and I got them in the Final Four, so maybe I'm just praying to God my bracket doesn't going to complete crap. <laughs> the thing about Bama that impressed me was they overwhelmed Maryland defensively. Like, it wasn't like Alabama shot the ball all that great, but, like, the reason why Brandon Miller's getting those Paul George comparisons is because he defends at a really high level, like PG-13, before he blew his leg out. Brandon Miller's very good, and it's why everybody is talking about him possibly overtaking Scoot as the second-best prospect coming out of the NBA draft, which was crazy to say at least a while ago. But now people are discussing Brandon Miller having that kind of ability. I I go to, as well, uh, Connecticut. I go to UConn, and it's the second-half separators that they've had because it's not – I mean, Iona, UConn was a tough game for a little while, and then, boom, they just had an offensive explosion from Sunogo. Even Hawkins hitting tough threes in this past game against St. Mary's. What what they were able to do against, by the way, one of the better defensive teams in all the country – UConn exploded in the second half and you couldn't stop them. And I think that's, what's interesting. If we just look at the opponents, right? I still have Alabama as the team that's looked the best Houston, little scary every now and then, but I trust enough of that team to have them continuing on the final four. The fact that UConn did what they did offensively against a great defensive uh, uh, program in St. Mary's, that's one where I'm with you. Like People love UConn coming in, and they've given you no reason to get off the bandwagon. Yeah, I mean, they look great. And the thing I like too, but I'm not going to lie, I got a bit nostalgic when I watched them. I said, man, they have the same uniforms they had when I was a kid, and they still fire. Okay. They are, dude. Those things, those things <laughs> I was are like, bad, still fire. I think, yeah, the red and the blue, it works. For sure. Yeah, the little stripes on there and the, the Husky, man, those are pretty dope. And then, man, Gonzaga, like, they're the team that just won't go away, but they just never cash in. They're like Oregon football for me. They just, they're always good. They always get far, but they can't ever close the deal. And then you watch Drew Timmy, and I'm like, how does this guy just continue? Like, I give him his credit for being a great Doesn't he have another year of eligibility, he too? That's crazy. But I was like, how does he, I mean, he just kills people, man. And then they got away with that hook on the one shot yesterday that he didn't oppose. But, I mean, he just keeps coming. If he stays for another year, I don't know that I could ever think of a guy that fits the profile Does of being at a place 10 years ago. Perry Ellis. That's, that's the one. <laughs> send it to the text line. We need everyone's help. 704-570-9610. Guys that stayed at their program for what seems like on an eight-year tenure. I, I need to hear those players because Perry Ellis, that's the number one player I thought of as well. He's already announced his departure. He did it in a Players' Tribune article. But I was thinking about this last night. Is he this generation's hands, bro? Where it's not pretty. He's got a god-awful mustache and he wears a headband that is just too tight around his head. But all that guy does is produce. I, I don't feel, for some reason, I don't feel like the styles are the same. Timmy's more finesse. Hansborough's like, let's get in a fight, and I'm still yeah. going to get this watch, basket. He was hitting layups like falling 10 feet away last night. But Hansborough's not falling away. He's giving it right back But I could, I could see what Fiddy was saying because that thought actually did cross my mind last night. He's the guy that you come out there and you're watching him and you're like, how is he able to get 27 points with this nondescript game? There's nothing flashy about He's it. A There's no moves that he does that you're like, wow, that was excellent. I mean, but he you look up at the end of the night and he has 25 to 28 points and 10, 12 boards and 
he just decimates you and Gonzaga wins. Um, we have a football crossover that was the second player put into the text line. 252 said, how about Patrick Pinckney at ECU? Yes, that's a name I would not have thought about, but absolutely. They that have is a program? They do. And Patrick Pinkney played there for about 17 years. I've got one that is always my go-to for this. Perry Ellis is the number one answer. How about Robbie Hummel for Purdue? (sighs) Robbie Hummel was there forever. He's a great broadcaster too now. He is. He is. He is very, I think he worked with Jason Benetti quite a bit, but Robbie Hummel is one that I'll go to. Is there any ACC member that you can think of? Yeah. I mean, we just have been watching him. Kihei Clark. It felt like Kihei Clark was there forever. For sure. Uh, Isaiah Wong as well. I think once you get to the point where you start for a school for three years or better, that's when you hit that mark to where people start to feel like that you've been there forever. Cause kind of, Sam Howe was almost like that as well, too, because he started from day one. I almost feel like his was a blur, though. And maybe, I don't know. I, I Well, especially with, in, with all the losing, yeah. In basketball, <laughs> in basketball, if you stay three years now, especially when you're prominent oh, yeah. and then so many guys are gone, Armando Baycott is here. I mean, he's if he, another if he, one. If he comes back. Yeah. And then with the COVID year now that guys can get, I mean, you legit have seventh year seniors playing basketball. Mm-hmm. In football. All right, let's think of some of the ACC representatives as far as this conversation goes. Text us 704-570-9610. Oh, Salim Stoudemire. Oh, pure nostalgia. Just oozing from the text line. We'll get back to it in just a moment. We do have to go back to some of this audio, though. Frank Reich and Scott Fitterer talking to the media today about their offseason. What did he have to say about DJ Chark and the young QBs available at number one overall. It's Weston Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba da ba ba ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Wesson Walker on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. I need to go back to the Garage Door Guru text line. Many people providing excellent entries as far as the players that stayed at their program for what seems like eight years. Shane Battier, Myron Goodman wrote that one in. How about Khalid Reeves and Salim Stoudemire? Both of those guys we mentioned right before we went to break. Two Wake Forest members, Tim Duncan and Sam Hartman. Sam Hartman hit. Yes. <laughs> for Sam, sure. Sam Hartman, especially, for sure. He he definitely hits there. Emil Jefferson at Duke. I feel like, God, who was it? Matt Jones? Matt Jones oh, felt God. like he was there for a Arkansas? long time. Arkansas? No, different Matt, Matt Jones? Jones. Different Matt Jones. Oh. Duke Matt Jones. Okay. Matt Jones, no. Matt Jones for Arkansas. I don't remember watching him in college very much, but Duke Matt Jones for sure. Cherokee Parks, Armando Baycott, Mateen Cleaves. Juan Dixon. I think Lonnie Baxter almost. Yeah. Just as somebody that seemed like they were there at Maryland forever. Uh, Coach K was at Duke way too long. He was there for a long time. Bonzi Coulson at Notre Dame. Oh, dude. I loved Bonzi. 
I loved watching him play. A great name. It is a great name. Bonzi Wells, big shout out. Muncie, Indiana's finest. I didn't know I'd be shouting out Muncie today, but here I am. <laughs> 704-570-9610. Feel free to write some of those names. We do need to get to Frank Reich and Scott Fitterer audio because there's a lot of things. We had all of the cuts. Our boy Shroppy sent in all of the cuts that he went ahead and just dissected for us. And we were trying to figure out which ones were the most important. All of them seemed relevant. But let's get to the Adam Thielen deal just because that's the latest free agent acquisition. He signed a three-year, $25 million contract with the Carolina Panthers. Here's Scott Fitter talking about that one. He actually wants to be here three years. That was part of the whole deal. He wants to be here through this process of building and winning. So that was important to him. Having him in the building, like when you watch his tape, the type of player he is, he's so much about technique and separation and route running. You know, if he was just a straight line burner, yeah, 32, that makes a difference. A guy that's so savvy like that, that knows how to separate, wasn't as big a factor. And then we also want his influence in the locker room. He's such a leader. You know, we had him in the building last week. I was really impressed with the guys. There's so much command and respect that he's he's what our team needs right now. Adam Thielen, also known as a really great teammate. K.J. Osborne talked about that at the beginning of this month on the Pat McAfee show. Everyone seems to love what Adam Thielen brings to Minnesota, and now he will play for a different team the first time ever in his NFL career. Wes, just to rehash some of our thoughts originally, I know we both like the deal that Carolina does bring in Adam Thielen the first time we've seen a wide receiver signed to this free agency period. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I think he's going to help out, especially if you decide to draft a guy. He's going to be that consummate professional. I know you hear it all the time, but he's going to be a guy that's going to help some of these guys and also some of the young vets that they have given them some uh, tricks of the trade as well. We're talking about a Pro Bowl caliber receiver here uh, that he's been in the past. Uh, this is a guy that's made spectacular catches. He's known for his route running, which is going to be a safety net for a young quarterback. So he brings a lot to the table as far as how he's going to be able to help the squad. And the fact that he's got the football character, he knows that necessarily this is going to, uh, or he knows that uh, this will not necessarily be a quick process as far as becoming a Super Bowl contender. And the fact that, like Federer said, that he wants to see this through and, and help build this team, I think says a lot about his character. Yeah, wanted to be th- here three years. That's awesome. Wanting that longevity, not wanting to just bounce around to every single organization after one year contract. There's a little cap in there as well because he knows that there's an opportunity to be the number one guy and get that bag up. Yeah. Maybe one more big bag. Well, but yes, I think that's probably true. I bet he did want to stay here for three years because of what you said. (laughs) Right, that both things can be true, yes, because he has a better opportunity this year to be wide receiver one and also kind of squeezing the Carolina Panthers in a weak wide receiver market in this year's free agency class. I do want to meander. I want to do two shows at once. I want to go back to the text line. How about Taylor Martinez for Nebraska, somebody that stayed there forever? That feels like one of my favorites Yeah. because I felt like every time I watched Nebraska – I would see the Martinez on the back of the jersey. And then Ed Coda, another great one. Mm -hmm. Ed Coda, my favorite player in Carolina history. He was there for a long time. Let's go back to Scott Fitterer. QB position. You're drafting a star, you hope, at the number one overall selection. Even if it doesn't mean he's going to be a star immediately upon stepping onto the NFL football field. What do they envision their quarterback doing year one? Here's more from Scott Fitterer. Obviously, it comes down to leadership, guys that can process quickly, accuracy, someone who can run the team, you know, get you in and out of plays. It's not just about making throws. It's about managing the game at the line of scrimmage. It's about doing all the little things right during the week. 
Scott Fitterer could be throwing us off the scent with anything that he says. But there's one QB that stands out more than any when you play that soundbite specifically. A lot of it being the process angle. Bryce Young is by far the best at whatever he just talked about right there. Making adjustments at the line of scrimmage, the processing, the accuracy. Bryce Young fit all of that to a T-Way. Yeah, no doubt. And I think you could throw C.J. Stroud in there as well with the numbers that he put up and the efficiency that he played with. But we do know as far as just a cerebral guy that's going to come in and wow you on the chalkboard, wow you with his knowledge of offenses. Definitely looks like it is uh, Bryce Young. And I think they're very strategic on not making comments about the size of players or that's what they're looking for because a lot of people sure. know that. If anything's going to throw you off the trail or if anything's going to lead you to believe uh, who they are talking about, that's the number one indicator. Well, what's funny is, too, I, I saw Frank Reich talked about how we should not be reading too much into the history of QBs that have played for him. All of the QBs that were 6'3 or taller. And that's exactly what somebody who didn't want you to read too much into it would want you to think. Right. But he also might be right. And so I don't know what to do with this. This is what happens during draft time. I have all these internal conf- conflicts and I have no clue what to do with it. And so here I am just going back and forth. Uh, let's go to the next one. The needs still on the to-do list for Carolina because free agency not over. Here's what Scott Fitter said they're still looking at. Yeah, you could always go with a vertical guy. You can never have enough pass rushers, maybe a big D lineman, just because guys get hurt during the season, so you need those bodies. And then, um, you know, we talked about inside linebacker. No team's ever perfect, even the teams that win the Super Bowl. Somebody wrote on the text line earlier today, they felt we needed another edge rusher more so than wide receiver. I'm still going heavy on receiver, but what do you make of that comment and some of the things Scott Fitterer said is still on the to-do list? Well, I mean, all those things are definitely pertinent, but you talk about uh, the edge rusher deal and another big defensive lineman. Yeah, you're going to need that because you're going to be having uh, your defensive lineman facing a lot of double teams and dealing with a lot of garbage uh, when you talk about going to a 3-4 alignment, and that's going to have guys banged up, especially taking on two blockers at least – at the initial snap of most plays, so that's going to be interesting. You definitely want to find another pass rusher um, as well because, yeah, I mean, you need that. There's no question about that. Can Frankie Louvu be that guy? We'll see. Um, but And then, you know, him talking about also the uh, a speed wide receiver. That's something that's going to be needed going to be needed uh, with this core as well, especially even if you do add a DJ Chark, that kind of leaves you with two kind of route runner possession, 50-50 ball type of guys. You need some type of speed to make the defense respect what you're going to do when you do put the ball up in the air because with the receivers that you have, let's just say you do sign a DJ Chark, uh, you know, it, you're not going to threaten the defense much down the field. So you need somebody uh, that's going to make those defensive backs not sit on routes and not just sit there and dare you to throw it 15, 20 yards and under. So I think all the things that he said are valid, things they're going to try to address as best they can. But like you say, you can't get everything. Well, what kind of player do you envision, Chart? I view him as that vertical guy. Like, I think Chark is the guy, you know, run, ran a four three forty, I believe, coming out of college. We saw him as soon as he comes back after injury. DJ Chark had like a, a close to 50-yard touchdown. And so I, I that's kind of what I view him as. And, and that's why it was interesting when you're discussing all of the things on the to-do list. And he said, we still need somebody that can do the whole take the top off of the defense thing. I view DJ Chark as that guy with Terrace Marshall having that ability a little bit too. But I view DJ Chark as the burner. Well, 
Yeah, I mean, you can, but this is also a guy that, you know, he's had ankle problems, he's had injury. Who knows if he's still uh, running that time that he ran coming out of school. Uh, but also, like I said, just from the production that you that you get from him. I mean, this is a career 14.4 yards per catch guy, so Pretty he big. definitely will uh, go down and get it as well. But just the production uh, that's there. And I think that, as you said, when I watch him play, because there are some guys who run fast and they – um, you know, they don't necessarily play fast, and you hear that all the time. Now, with DJ Clark, Chark, I'm not saying he does not, but when I watch him play, like, you know, if my team's playing against DJ Chark, I'm not really sitting there worried uh, about him beating my team down the field. He has 18 career touchdowns, five in the last two seasons. So, you know, even if he does catch that big catch, he's not catching a ton of, uh, you know, a ton of balls down the field. So that's, you know, that's what I think about. That. Yeah, I mean, a lot of that is because of the injuries. He played four games in 2021, and then he played 11 total this past season, which might be a separate issue. Like, if you're worried about the injuries, 100%. Terrace Marshall, DJ Chark, man, if both of those guys got injured this year, it's not far-fetched, then that would leave them depleted a little bit more so as far as the pass catchers go. But I do think he would be able to take care of being the burner in this offense. Maybe you could draft that guy. Maybe that player could come with the 39th overall selection. Scott Fitterer, he told you today how much he values it. We saw 39 as a pick that we had to keep because that's a really good player for us moving forward. We're going to get four or five good starting years out of that and then maybe an extension beyond. Yeah, totally agree. I mean, it's interesting because you get rid of all of this draft capital. You get rid of DJ Moore to save some of the draft capital, and he talked about that too. But when you're talking about at least a pick – that is only a few spots away from the first round, still in the second. I don't want to do one of those things where I keep moving it up to be a top 30 pick, right? But we see high second round picks. They are talking about a starter. You, that's, that's what you're drafting at 39. You're hoping they can be a starter and beyond. So I value that pick a lot here too, Wes. I, I hope they're able to hit on this one. Yeah, I mean, anytime you can get a pick in the top three rounds, you have to make the most out of it because ideally you want a starter uh, out of that round. Are you going to get that? No, but you would at least want to hit two out of the three. And so with that selection, they definitely have to, you know, they're going to try their best like any team is to try to grab the best guy that they can that they hope is going to make this football team and make an impact. But certainly in those first three rounds, you want an impact player. Um, I want to go back to the text line. College players on the eight-year program. We had back-to-back Leaky Black text. 336 said, don't forget about the local kid and Leaky. And then Blindside Chris said, I'm sure that Leaky Black played for Dean Smith. I'm pretty sure that he goes back <laughs> all the way to the Dean Smith days. We got a Grayson Allen inclusion. And how about this one? Scott Pollard for Kansas. Oh, yeah. Just a name, honestly. I just always think of the... The blonde streaking highlights when he played for the Pacers and the Sacramento Kings. So those are a couple of other mentions. Going back to Scott Fitterer comments, um, he said one other thing I haven't really thought about. He said if you take a look at where most of these free agents have come from, they all come from winning teams. People like Hayden and uh, Von Bell and Miles, I mean, those are all winning teams, and they can all bring something to you. And so a lot of times guys become available because they're selfish or they're, they're divas or something. That's not this group at all. It's very important. Who do we bring into our locker room? Who's, what type of character do they have? And these are the guys that fit that. Wasn't it, was it Von Bell? I think I'm wrong about this, but was it Von Bell that called Arrowhead Stadium Burrowhead? Or was it a different player? No, I think that was uh, okay. Eli Apple. 
Was it Eli Apple? I thought somebody in the secondary did it. Yeah. Oh God! Well, you're saying about Eli, or what yeah, is your because, reaction like, about that guy? Like to to accomplish as little as he's accomplished in life, to go out there and talk and <sighs> trash after his quarterback led him to a victory, just summons why he's the fraud that he is. Well, poor Eli Apple. It's actually Mike Hilton. I just looked it up. Mike Hilton is the one that called Arrowhead Burrowhead. I knew it was a that member of the it. secondary, but hey, it's okay. We know how you feel about Eli Apple. That's fine. <laughs> I was gonna say if it was Vaughn, then I almost like him gassing up the QBs almost but either way Von Bell still a veteran that you bring in in yeah. a secondary that you hope has some of that leadership that he's been able to play on the New Orleans Saints where New Orleans has been a winning franchise we've seen Cincinnati being winning franchise each of the last two seasons and he's been a big part of that you talk about Bozeman not a free agent, so to speak, coming from a new team, but he came from Baltimore, which has been one of the more rock solid franchises we've seen in quite some time. How much value do you put on that point? Scott Fitter just told us. Um, I think that again, when I think of Von Bell and what he's going to bring to this team, he has been a good run defender uh, during his tenure through most of the NFL. But I just think as far as what he's going to bring to this defense, if, if he is potentially going to unlock the game record that was um, Jeremy Chen. Jeremy Chen in his rookie season. I think that's the biggest value that he can bring uh, to this football team because that adds a whole different dynamic to this defense. We know in the 3-4, we talked about how Evero speaks on having a fourth blitzer and not knowing where it could come from. And when you're able to uh, unlock a guy like that, a Swiss Army Knife type, he could be your uh, fourth blitzer on some downs. Well, and, and I'm just even as far as like him coming from a winning team too, like some of these free agents that Scott Fitterer talked about, where you're going all across the board yeah. and they've had success there. Von Bell certainly fits that mold as well. Last one we'll get to before we get to the last segment of the day. It's been, I, and partly because of me, the conversation surrounding whether you should have given up DJ Moore or not. I, I would have rather given up another first round pick. I just think as far as you investing in the number one overall pick and then providing that QB with the best amount of weapons possible, DJ Moore on that contract always made sense. But I also told you I'd still make the deal. And Scott Fitterer talked about keeping wanting to keep DJ Moore. They just couldn't do it given the negotiations. The price of this number one pick was too expensive to give up all these picks and everything else to get up there. So unfortunately, we had to give up DJ, who was a great member of our team. Did a tremendous job for us. Great locker room guy. It hurt, but uh, you know we had to do what we had to do to get in this position. Yeah, I wonder what the price was. And I saw a report. I need to pull that up. Research team will pay him again for it. But I was trying to think of what the reported asking price was from polls and the Chicago Bears. And it did seem like it was either DJ Moore or even a first round pick and something on top of that. Yeah. And so if Carolina wanted the number one overall selection bad enough, then DJ was just going to have to be the guy that they sent out. So if it's DJ or a first round pick and a third, which makes sense given what you would trade him, right? Like I'm not trading DJ Moore for a first round pick, but I'm trading DJ Moore for a first round pick and something else possibly. At that point, it gets interesting. So it makes sense. It's tough to see him go, but at the end of the day, you have to understand why they did it. Yeah, because when I saw they said the Raiders what Raiders initially wanted to trade for the That's the one, one I was thinking of. And too. they asked yeah. for three first round picks uh, in that deal. So I guess they felt like, like you said, they'd rather give up uh, DJ Moore. And I think they felt like they could find another DJ Moore quicker than they could find a franchise quarterback. So they have Adam Thielen. They have Hayden Hurst. They have Miles Sanders, who at least his rookie year was a threat out of the backfield. Can they get DJ Chark? 
Can they get a 39th overall selection that they will continue to invest in with the weaponry surrounding whoever is the number one overall selection? The Panthers are not done, and yet they've already done a really nice job. Last Fitty Flash of the day before we send it to the last segment. What you got for us, Fitty? I do want to tell you guys that college baseball does return to Truist Field tomorrow as Walker Mail's Charlotte 49ers, they host the South Carolina Gamecocks tomorrow at 6.05 p.m. at Truist Field as the Charlotte Knights Collegiate Baseball Series does return to Uptown Charlotte. Another team that returns to Uptown Charlotte tonight are the Hornets. Ten games left in the regular season. They were officially eliminated from playoff contention over the weekend. What are you looking for with 10 games left to go, Slim? Yeah, just talking about the Charlotte Hornets trying to be competitive right now because I don't expect them to win a whole lot of games. I have not seen the status of Mark Williams. Not sure if he's going to give it a go. We have not seen him. Do you even bother bringing him back at this point? At some point, no. I, Yeah, if, if, if you have 10 games left and he's okay... I'd, I'd probably throw him out there for yeah, the last get him 10 some minutes. What are you paying him for? Right. Well, I mean, if you get to the last three, then maybe not. At some point, I do think that it's probably a little futile. But at the same time, I do think Mark Williams in the last 10, that would make some sense for me. Yeah, I mean, he's a rookie. He needs to play. He needs to get as much experience as he can, no matter how many games are left. So, yeah, they should play him. But as far as what to watch the rest of the season, man, I, I guess you're just watching them be competitive. No Melo, no Mark Williams. I mean, it's not a whole lot of reasons to watch this team at this point other than just to see them compete and try to get as many wins as they can. Do you guys go futile or futile? Which one did you ever say that word ever? And if so, what version? Futile. Futile? It feels like I'm spicing it up and going pinky out. You are a pinky out guy, though. You're a dookie. And with that, we'll move on to the next segment. It's (laughs) Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. I, I wanted to talk a little bit about Fitty here, the last segment. Is that okay with you, Wes? Yeah. There's a couple things I wanted to know. Why? Well, at the beginning of the show, you told us that you're going to be trying something new, and we never got to it. And I just remembered in the last segment, but you told us you're going to be looking a little bit different here at some point soon. Oh, How are you going to be looking different, Fitty? Why don't you tell the people? So um, my family and I, after my Paul passed away last last January... We now have monthly get-togethers where we get all the you know cousins, uncles, aunts, all that stuff. We get together and we eat food, spend a lot of time together, whatever. Well, my one aunt, she she takes a lot of photographs. It's documented stuff, right? It's good stuff. And she put the photos up over the weekend, and there's a picture of me like I'm sitting on the floor in the living room. I've got the screens going because I'm still not missing any of the tournament action. 
And uh, I realized that, like, I knew I was balding. I didn't realize just how bald I was. <laughs> when did you not see yourself in the mirror? I mean, but, like, it doesn't look that bad because I can't see the top of my scalp. Well, I saw the top of my scalp. Ain't a whole lot up there. <laughs> so I've just come to the conclusion that the next time I get a haircut, I'm just going to whack it all off and I'm going to come and look like Daddy Warbucks. Well, let's work on the phrasing next time you say that. But I do think <laughs> that Fitty going on home and just cutting all of the hair off at the top of the dome is something I'm really excited to see. Is this a good move? Like, I'm feeling it. I'm ready for Fitty to I think to it's cut a good move hair. if he does it the right way. All right, what do you him, mean? I said that the beard needs to grow out and then be professionally done. Let's get it off the neck. Let's get a nice, bad ass beard let's look like you should be getting off a harley with the hell's angels jacket on that says one percent okay and if you don't know what one percent <laughs> is you think whoa, i am that's, that's no that should be the look whoa. that should be the look that's what, what i'm no this is the look oh this no. is what i'm going for he doesn't have to join but i'm just saying the look of this he needs to get off and have a presence about him when he get what? when he walks in the room people saying yo that 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 guy right there. Wes, what if that guy you just described was the producer of our radio show? Like that guy that sported the 1% stuff. Uh, he'd probably have a lot more say in what we do. <laughs> that that looks like what Shroppy sounds like. Oh, no. Not Shroppy. Yeah. I felt bad because Rocket, bro. when we were talking about him getting you the milkshake that you're still scarred from, by the way, and you won't. You won't partake in a bet with us ever again, or at least anytime soon. I talked about how Shroppy ordering that milkshake, dressing the way Shroppy does, it might look like he was hotboxing in the parking lot before he went and ordered that milkshake. He comes in after the show and he says, thanks, man, for talking about me hotboxing. My parents listen to this show. So I'm sorry, Mr. and Mrs. Shroppy, if you're out there. Shroppy is not doing that. He was being an excellent co-worker and helping us. Pay off a punishment for one Josh Fitty Marlowe by drinking that milkshake. Actually, but that was hilarious. He, he failed miserably because I told him I was willing to pay him significant amounts of money, like five dollars, <laughs> to not to, to bring back a milkshake that wasn't the one that I was supposed to eat. Oh, good job, Shroppy. You weasel. You are. <laughs> Did you expect anything less? Uh, no, but I'm still disappointed. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. You tell them $5 ain't going to get it done if that's what you were aiming for. I love that Fitty's cheapness overrid his weaselness there. <laughs> like, he couldn't, he wanted to, he wanted to dodge the bet, but he still just couldn't pay enough more than $5 to try to get him a hookup. I mean, you could have paid 10 I, I bet you wish you would have upped it after you're done with the milkshake. Oh, I would, I, I would have given him, and I'm not exaggerating, I would have given him a third of my, of my paycheck <laughs> to not have to eat that. It's so bad. It's so, it looked awful. I'm glad. Big shout to Shroppy, man. Stand to his ground. A hundred percent. Like that that's the kind of integrity we need on this show. Big shout to Shroppy for cutting <laughs> out the audio for us and then also making you eat what looked like an awful milkshake. 704-570-9610. Feel free to send I actually in some ate photo at a, finish text message. Ate at a bar with a uh, Hells Angel that was a one percenter. How did that conversation go? Uh, we didn't have a conversation. <laughs> I, I watched him from across the bar, and I was just like, yep. wow, just because of all my gangland watching on the History Channel back in the day, I was able to identify that he was a one percenter. I feel like when Fitty eventually does go with the well-groomed beard, he's going to look awesome. That's what I'm saying. It's it gonna needs be to crazy. happen. Are, are you fighting against that, or are you just lazy and don't want to do it? What's wrong with my beard? 
Well, just it's actually good now. Thank you. I mean, you could bring it off of the neck uh, a little bit I more. So, I mean, it's okay. Wes is just because just he can't grow. He can't grow this luscious mane. I actually can. I no problem. Did you see me last week after a week of no haircut? I, I did see, by the way, when Wes, he <laughs> talks to us about his show that he used to put on about sports and food. And I did see that he had a beard. I believe that's correct, isn't this it? Didn't you correct. have one? Yeah, yeah, I did. He did have a beard. Yeah, it so was, it's, and it's it was possible. Talk about well-kempt. Yes, Thank sir. You. Kempt isn't a word. You want to look it up? Well manicured. That's all I'm saying. Fitty, Fitty, Fitty he... he he fights against it. All we're trying to do is mm-hmm. have him in the company of a woman <laughs> I, I, yeah. and multiple women so that he can decide on a partner. And he he just fights against it. And the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and well, expecting the same result. Well, I mean, I, I think it's fair to say he is insane, though. That's like, what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Fitty the is bald head so with a fits. well-kept beard, I'm telling you, would be on to something. We throw that on the dating profile, it would be on for, I guarantee oh, you, oh, in oh, the oh, first oh, week, Fitty. you would have three to five likes. Especially... If you bring off the bucket, if you have some kind of boomerang. Come on, man. And then you bring off the bucket hat, and then you have a clear dome, but with a well-kempt beard. We already said no. I'm he can have the one, he can have the one with the shot, with the with the fresh ball, with the clean-cut beard for one. Mm-hmm. Then we go with the next shot, the one we said, with the bucket hat, the cup of uh, fine liquor. And no shirt. Oh, that is so boss. That's three to five likes per week. You're going to be distracted during the show because you're getting so many You're getting so many alerts from women and coming in telling us about not one conversation, but three to four conversations that you're having per night. Fitty, if you want to go right now, if any listener wants to go to my Twitter profile at Walker Mail and see the photo that I put out where I said... We've all decided that Bucket Hat Fitty is the best Fitty, and no other version comes close. That thing got over 30 likes, dog. Appreciate it. How many I, women? I'm just, I don't know. I didn't look. Get that data. But you can, and you can find out for yourself once you create this dating profile while you shave the head, you get the beard a little bit more groomed, and then you also sport the Bucket Hat. That is one Josh Fitty Marlowe we're trying to create a dating profile for. That's also Wes Bryant. I'm Walker Mayo. We appreciate you listening as you do every weekday. I apologize to some of the this day in sports history. We can just make up for it tomorrow. But this conversation mattered, though. Like, this one, this one was a big conversation. Oh! What you got? I just wanted to please something we talked about earlier in the show. It is official. Rick Pitino, the new heads, the new men's head basketball coach at St. John. All right. So oh. I know on this day in sports history, which I spent copious <laughs> amounts of time digging up, mm-hmm. but our guy Rick Pitino is back in New York, baby. All right. Kyle Bailey show with Smoke Ludwig coming up next. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.